she he does it and she hesitates a little bit and then she's like suck my dick and <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies shows and music from two people you can definitely trust trustability varies by region no guarantee is implied Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. Y'all got hot. Ew. What? You can't hear me. All right, everybody. Welcome to Recotopia. This is episode two mm-hmm. of our podcast, and uh, I am I'm Chris Atkinson. I'm Jeremy Scott. And uh, we will be going through our recommends of the week. Uh, we've got uh, a section of smaller, small recommends where we talk about, uh, something that we individually, um, we'll be talking about not, not that they're, not that they're lesser than, in fact, I've got some movies that are some heavy hitters here that are definitely not lesser thans. Nice. Um, uh, but, uh, we'll be talking about recommends individually. And then we have a shared recommend, uh, mm. this week it is Coda. Uh, the mm-hmm. the uh, movie that just got nominated for three Oscars, including best including picture. Including best picture. Uh, so um, so yeah. Um, anyway, uh, do we want to start uh, talking uh, our recommends? Uh, yeah, let's do some small recommends. It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small. It's tiny. It's petite. It's wee. Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, not to brag or anything, but I just bought this eighty-three inch television. Oh, do brag, please. Yeah, it's a it's an LG OLED uh, uh, 83 inch, and of course, when you see this TV in action, you are like, "What movies? What shows? What things do I need to put on this TV right now to really let it shine?" And so, I've been trying to find all those best, like, just immersive movies and everything. One movie that was suggested to me was Lawrence of Arabia which I've seen I've seen Lawrence of Arabia saw it a long time ago but I had it on Blu-ray still in its cellophane wrapper um, nice and I uh, I popped it in to watch it now this is not a 4k uh, uh, presentation of Lawrence of Arabia that I have it's just a stinking Blu-ray oh, yeah you, uh, no man you caveman exactly um, but Lawrence of Arabia is one of those movies that really 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 looks awesome especially on a screen like this um uh you want to talk about old time filmmaking that we don't see anymore it is this type of movie right here the cinematography is spectacular there are it's one of those where just like everything is just taking full advantage of its wide screen and like Mm. when they're in the desert you can see you know there's there you see the people who are in the frame and then in the background there's a mountain and then in the further background there's even more mountains and then even further back <laughs> there's even more stuff that you can see it's a world it's an absolute world that is being presented on screen when you hmm. watch Lawrence of Arabia um i'm not entirely familiar with the politics that are going on in Lawrence of Arabia but it is about TE Lawrence who uh who uh it, during World War 1 he is portrayed as this kind of a buffoon in the uh, in the British Army, and they send him to uh, King Faisal, 
or Prince Faisal, who's being played by Alec Guinness. That wouldn't play nowadays. Although I will mm. say that uh, Alec Guinness doesn't do anything stereotypical or anything like that. But this is something that you wouldn't do today. You wouldn't make Alec Guinness uh, Prince Faisal. Um, but um, he's supposed to go there. T.E. Lawrence is supposed to go there and just sort of see how the war is going on with the Turks at the time. And what he ends up doing is like starting, he starts planning his own military attacks and like trying to figure out like who to, who he can, who he can get to help out, who he can, uh, you know, how, what's the strategy. And one of the strategies is, is to take the city of Aqaba, which is, uh, I believe in modern day Jordan. Uh, and people think, oh, it's, it's too hard to attack that that city because it's nothing but miles of expansive desert behind it and then it's a big sea in front of it and he's like no let's we're gonna we're gonna go through the desert we're gonna collect a whole bunch of soldiers and we're gonna go in there and we're gonna take Aqaba and like so there's a great scene where they take it and you can see them all running through Aqaba being basically unopposed because nobody would ever possibly attack from the position that they're attacking. And you see them running through the city and everything. And it ends up, the camera ends up on this one artillery cannon that's faced towards the sea that no one ever goes to. No, it's useless. There's no, <laughs> the, 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 the town has already been taken by this point. And, um, and so, uh, uh, Lawrence has to play a, a bunch of po a political game here because he's helping the Arabs out, but he's also having to come back and report to his British superiors about everything. And he's coming back saying, we need help. We can actually take all these towns from the Turks if we, if we, if we have some help. And the British are like, well, we see what you're doing here. It seems impossible, but yeah, we will help you out with this. But we're not going to help you out too much because we don't want them to think we don't want the Arabs to think that they can be independent of anything. So there's this political game being played where he's allowed to uh, to to do the things that he's doing, but he's also uh, sort of stepping into two worlds. It's that it's that dances with wolves thing where they you know it's he's going native and so on and so forth. You know the. Uh, he's actually becoming one of them, but he also realizes that he'll never be one. He'll never be an actual Arabian person because he's, because he's, he's white. And, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, he, he, he's, he's getting ostracized by two worlds. He's also being praised by two worlds. Uh, and, uh, it really, that movie shows a lot of, uh, I don't think they called it PTSD back in the day, but, um, uh peter o'toole's performance in this is ptsd and it's uh and and the way he is just sort of a shell of himself as this movie progresses the movie is three hours and 48 minutes long wow. um and it's it's a it's it's truly epic in every single way um i would i would highly recommend watching this movie if you haven't wow wow now i have to follow that with my recommendation for a television <laughs> show about fast food. Oh, yeah, there um, you go. Well, I mean, hey, hey, look, don't knock fast food. I mean, there are some <laughs> fast food restaurants that are my Lawrence of Arabia. Of you know, I mean, McDonald's is the Lawrence of Arabia. No, I guess that's probably wrong. <laughs> that's probably wrong. Well, listen, I've got two recommends. I'll redeem myself with the second one because it's a movie. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
I have, um, many of you may know that I am a big fan of the TV show Top Chef. Uh, I've watched every single season. I used to watch Iron Chef. If it, I, I like uh, Master Chef Junior. I like cooking shows as long as it's mostly about the cooking. So Master Chef with adults, not as much fun because mm-hmm. it's, it's more competition and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But when it's little kids, uh, Gordon Ramsay's this gentle giant who's so encouraging and makes you cry. Anyway, um, not about that. <laughs> Gordon called... Ramsay is encouraging? I'm telling you, man, if you saw an episode of Tiny Chefs, as I call it, MasterChef Junior, uh, you would see a side of him that uh, that's, American that's... TV pump, pumps up his assholeness. Sure. Uh, I mean, I saw and... nothing but Hell's Kitchen, although I've seen, I've seen Gordon Ramsay outside of Hell's Kitchen, and I realize he's a different person yeah. other than <clears> that. So, um, Okay, so this show is called Fast Foodies, mm-hmm. all right? And it is on True TV, oh. and it's got two Top Chef winners, Kristen Kish and Jeremy Ford, and then another Top Chef contestant, Justin Sutherland, who was also on Iron Chef America. Now, this show, it does come with a caveat, because every episode, they have a guest celebrity host, and the quality of the show lives and dies with how good that celebrity host is. Mm-hmm. For instance, Joel McHale was one outstanding episode. Mm-hmm. Chris Jericho, a former wrestler, was one. Not a great episode. Mm. But the concept of the show is this. The celebrity says, here's my favorite fast food item of all time. Uh, sausage McMuffin with egg is one episode. Mm-hmm. So then these three chefs have to try and recreate it from scratch. Um, the celebrity tastes and uh, declares who won that round. Um, and then the second round, they get to do an interpretation of the dish and create something fancy and fine dining that sort of calls back to that food. Mm-hmm. And then they award a stupid trophy they spend too much time showing you. Uh, like a lot of reality shows, there's a little too much gimmick, gimmickry going on. Uh, but the chefs are all great personalities. They're all outstanding chefs. Uh, and I really enjoy watching them recreate everything from like, you know, a chicken sandwich to a Doritos taco to a Domino's pizza, um, all stuff that we've had a bunch ourselves. And I want to get famous enough to get on this show as a, a celebrity host before it gets canned. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, uh, in the in the chat, there were discussions about uh, McDonald's being the Lawrence of Arabia fast food. Uh, uh, one uh, JC says that uh, McDonald's is the idiocracy of fast food. That's that's the apt comparison, actually. That's the correct comparison. <laughs> um, uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, someone claims that their wife is the, is the manager at a local McDonald's. So so don't go too hard at mcdonald's guys um uh, but uh but yeah um uh where where's the show on again it's on true tv but i've also found it on hulu mm, so okay. uh, um seek it out if you can and if you like food shows i think you might like and what's it, it called again it's called fast foodies fast foodies okay all right and and man, it's amazing how many how many, I I I I would probably I would probably guess a number of how many like food shows there are now that are like worth watching, and it's probably double that in my I mean I I, I don't watch very many of these, but um, there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of crap too. Like the good ones are oddly not usually on the Food Network. Mm-hmm. The Food Network. Is st- like Trisha Yearwood has a cooking show on the Food Network, mm-hmm. and bless her heart, she's great at music. But I would rather watch paint dry, <laughs> right? And like 
<laughs> there are like a, a bunch of people like that that just cook and look at the camera and you're just killing time. Uh, but uh, when the chefs have great personality and when there's an interesting aspect to what they're creating, um, yeah, there's probably dozens of good ones out there now. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So uh, another small recommend uh, round and then we'll get into Coda. Um, uh, so um, the next one that I, I decided to watch is called The Red Shoes. Criterion came out with a 4K Red Shoes um uh the, this movie came out i believe in 1948 let me check it real quick um but uh it's it's one of those uh it's a it's a movie that it's about ballet but it's also about uh the composition of 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 musicals and shows and operas and and uh and the the various players that are in uh that are in the uh you know, the field of it and everything. And, um, the red shoes is just, is a, is a movie that I don't think very many people talk about. You will see some, uh, some top critics, uh, come up with the red shoes every once in a while as a, as a, you know, as an example of a great movie, but you, I don't know if you ever see it in like maybe in an AFI somewhere. I don't know. I don't know if it's in an AFI, but it's, it's, it's gotta be one of those. It's gotta be hmm. in the top 100 somewhere. Um, uh, but, uh, this is about, uh, early on in the red shoes, you see, uh, two, uh, two would, you know, wannabes, basically one is a dancer. One is a composer. They're at this, they're at this, uh, this show, this, they're at this show at the beginning. The composer is up in the, up in the seats. He's watching the show. Uh, his friend is conducting, uh, the show and, um, and, uh, there's a, a like a sort of a society woman in the in uh, one of the seats who's trying to get the manager of this ballet the owner of this ballet uh to meet her because she her niece is a dancer and he wants she wants her him to see her dance and everything but at the very beginning when this when this uh when this uh performance is going on the guy up in the stand starts noticing the music that's being played is something that he wrote um his friend is conducting. So he's like, his friends are like, isn't this your, isn't this something that you wrote? He's like, yeah. And he's like, do you, do you always, uh, uh, show your work to, to your friend? He's like, yeah, I show everything to my friend or whatever. So like he's hearing his actual music being played at this performance at this ballet. Um, and, uh, and the, uh, and meanwhile, the dancer, the, the society woman who, who wants to, wants this, uh, ballet, uh, owner to see, uh her uh, her niece he uh he he actually uh doesn't like it when people spring that on him it's like throwing a screenplay at an actor if you run into him at at a mcdonald's like like we said <laughs> if you're going to mcdonald's and you're at the lawrence of arabia fast food you hand your screenplay to ashley judd if she's there um <laughs> but um, but he doesn't like that, but he's also one of these kind of guys who like tells people just come out to the workshop and we'll, we'll see what you can do and everything. He apparently does this to a lot of people, but these people, the, the, the main dancer of this, of this movie and the main composer of this movie think that they're very special, that they've been asked by this guy to come here. And then they, when they get there, nobody knows who they are. 
nobody's expecting them nobody has any idea what's going on they're like yeah yeah okay just get get on the stage and do do your stuff or whatever um no surprise if you're following along those two people are going to end up being picked for big projects later on in the in the movie but some 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 dominoes have to fall um uh one of the dancers who is the main dancer of this company has announced that she's going to get married and the 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 guy who runs the ballet is like does not like this at all he just like you can't have you can't be a great ballet dancer and get married at the same time you can't do that <laughs> How dare you? You can't. Yeah, it's exactly the way this this movie portrays it. Uh, uh, you can't do. You can't be great, and uh, you know if you want to do this. So he instantly fires her uh, for for getting married, essentially. Um, and then this this new uh, this new dancer, Victoria Page, played by Moira Shearer, uh, is is the one that he is is favoring, and he wants. He wants her to do all the main things, including one called The Red Shoes, which is a Hans Christian Andersen uh, story about a woman who wants these red shoes and she wants to she wants to wear them at a party and and she gets them. And it's everything is uh, uh, is everything is is uh, uh, is great. But by the end of the night, when she gets tired, the shoes still want to keep going. And eventually she dances all the way through, like apparently across mountains and across like the countryside and like the red shoes <laughs> never let this person take a rest, uh, which is kind of a good, um, uh, sort of a good, um, what would you say? A metaphor for what this movie is basically saying. Like, like you, you always must dance. You can never stop dancing. Mm. If you do, then you're dead to me basically. And, um, and, uh, we have one, uh, someone on our, uh, Patreon saying the red shoes is such a beautiful way for them to turn a fairy tale into a movie. Not sure if it's still up, but I think it was HBO max for a time. Um, so yeah, if you can find it, uh, that's good. I, it's on, it, it's a criterion disc. So if you got the criterion channel, you probably can also find this movie. It's very beautiful, but, um, uh, no surprise, this movie, like you know, um, uh, Moira Shearer, Shearer as Victoria Page is a is, um, is she's a she's a she's a great dancer. And the when they actually get to the Red Shoes performance, that is the centerpiece of the film. It's actually I think dead center in the movie when the Red Shoes oh, wow. uh, happens, and it is dynamic. In fact, I could Ooh. have I could have just if the movie had just let the red shoes play for the next hour until the end of the movie i would have been fine with that um mm. that's how magical that that middle section is um but of course uh there must be a conflict in all of this and that is of course that victoria page ends up uh, falling in love with the composer julian craster um and they're trying to have a secret romance for a while but they know that's not going to happen for very long in fact uh you know it, it is found out and uh the uh the guy who plays the um and see the guy who plays the, the head of the ballet his name's uh, well the character's name is boris lermontov he's played by anton walbrook is excellent in it uh but he's he's just such an it's weird it's 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 a, it's a it, the way this character is it's very dynamic because he's such an asshole but when he's in your corner 
he is in your corner. Like he huh. is absolutely like just, you know, you know, he's your best friend, but like just as soon as he finds out about this, like screw he, what he believes is going to screw up his ballet and everything. He's, he becomes very cold towards them. And of course, that's the conflict of the movie. Where where do we go from here once that once that's found out and once you know once uh, the the consequences of that happen? But the Red Shoes is a beautiful movie. I think it won the Oscar for best cinematography. It certainly deserves it. The colors that just pop out at you during this. There's some excellent ballet in this. When you watch, uh, like. I think we I think we enjoyed Black Swan like the the dancing and that it's really well done and everything but this one there's something about it I think it's because there's more full frame shooting less editing mm. these people are actually dancing this is no mm. like this is not like well we needed to make a cut here because they couldn't quite make that turn there or you know that you know it's one of those type of things and uh the dancing in this in this movie is phenomenal the camera work during that red shoes part is unbelievable. Great, great mm. movie. If you have never heard of it before, I would, I would definitely seek this out. Wow. All right. Mm-hmm. That's you actually did have two powerhouse recommends, and I checked. Uh, the red shoes is currently on HBO Max. Okay. So nice. If you have HBO Max, you'll be able to see it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second small recommend, uh, last one for the day, is a 2013 movie called Blue Caprice. Okay. Um, this is uh, the story of the DC snipers. Oh. So, oh. Um, okay. It's uh, Lee Malvo and John Allen Muhammad. I know um, I've heard of this <clears throat> Lee Malvo, but I can't can't put a, a picture to the name. No, that's those are the shooters. That's why. You've oh, heard that's why I've heard them. Those are the shooters. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the actors you'll know in this are Isaiah Washington. Oh, yeah. Um, Joey Lauren Adams, who I, when I saw her, I was like, man, I haven't seen her in 15 years. Um, we got Tim Blake Nelson. Um, and then the guy that's playing, uh, the kid sniper, uh, is an actor. He's really good. Taquan Richmond. He Mm. looks like he's been in a lot of TV shows. He was in everybody hates Chris. Mm Um, he was in the motion picture Ray, but that was a while back. Mm -hmm. Um, this is not what I expected. I expected a movie about the DC snipers to be about the shootings, Mm -hmm. Um, which in hindsight, having seen the film, I think probably would have been uh, exploitative, maybe Mm -hmm. Um, uh, not entertainment. Certainly Uh, what this film attempts to do is give you a picture of the man, uh, Muhammad, played by Isaiah Washington, uh, leading up to the events. So we see him meeting Lee Malvo. Malvo came to the U.S. on his own. His mom couldn't come. Uh, he's, so he has no ID. He's got, he's just a teenager. Uh, and he bumps into this guy, John Al Muhammad. And <clears throat> basically, they start hanging out together. And then uh, they leave. They move to the other side of the country. And he starts introducing him as his son. Um, and starts, well, physically, emotionally, and verbally abusing this kid. Mm-hmm. Not, not sexually. Uh, psychologically, um, it's, it's, it's awful, but based on a true story. Uh, so he ties him up to a tree in the middle of a forest with zip ties and a rope mm-hmm. and leaves him there. Mm-hmm. 
And the next morning, the kid, you know, found his way out and found his way home, and they silently sit at the breakfast table together. Uh, he takes him out in the middle of the woods and beats him up, wrestles with him. After every one of these instances, he praises the kid. It's eerie that right now I'm going through this process of my wife and I are trying to train this dog that we got. And uh, some of the tactics are, are similar. He is, he is training this kid to be in his own image, which is psychopathic. He bumps into uh, his old friend, which is uh, Tim Blake Nelson, who I love in anything he does. He's always awesome. And uh, they, go, they go shooting guns out in the woods, and turns out the kid is a natural. Mm-hmm. Um, so he starts doing more and more shooting. And they're at their grocery store one day, and Isaiah Washington just says, you know, these people, they think all this is permanent, but it's not. A body would shake them up. Hmm. Maybe five, five bodies a day for 30 days. That should probably do it. And he's basically spelling out what they're going to do. Uh, and they ultimately travel through several states um, assassinating perfect strangers, um, inciting panic. They, they cut out a little hole in the back of this blue caprice. This is where the name of the film comes from. And they keep it covered with duct tape uh, when one of them's not laying in the trunk killing people. Mm-hmm. By the time we get to the actual killing, it's maybe five, ten minutes of film, and it's much more... Uh, it's not... It did, it's not exploitative. Um, but it, again, it's, it's more ethereal. Mm-hmm. And... The only hang-up I have in this recommendation is it just kind of ends. Hmm. Um, it cuts from so them driving. Is it maybe that it's not, this is going to sound like a weird question, not exploitative enough? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where you end this story. It, it basically, they, they get caught sleeping in the car, and it does this like five-month-later thing where a lawyer is questioning the kid and he just keeps asking where his father is. Mm -hmm. And I suppose that is maybe um, the bookend to say, you know, that brainwashing was a hundred percent successful. He, he created another monster. He created another him. Um, It just, I was, when it ended, I was like, Oh, that's it. That thought I was expecting more, but maybe there's not more to tell. They went to prison for the rest of their lives. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, But, what was really interesting to me is how little dialogue there is in this film. Uh, there's a lot of handheld camera action that that makes everything feel very intimate. And you just, it's basically a portrait of an insane guy grooming a kid to be like him. Um, I, I'm recommending it. It was, it was really well made and uh, I enjoyed watching it as much as you can enjoy watching something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be honest, I started watching um, <clears throat> just because I was curious to see where it was going to go. Uh, and it, it helped me wrapped all the way through. <laughs> so there's my second small recommend blue caprice. Now let me tell you where you can find this. If you, if you want to watch a movie about the DC snipers, which from the comments, I'm thinking maybe that's not the case. <laughs> Somebody says they used to live in DC at the area. Uh, or used to live in DC at the time. Yeah, uh, that would be Can you imagine. I mean, just any. I mean, it. The, you know, not that this, uh, you know, soothes your nerves or anything, but the chances of you being at any one gas station when this happens is going to be very low. But just imagine, if you picked. I mean, you, I mean, you would have. I mean, I would probably be looking for some defensive maneuvers while I'm pumping gas. That's for sure. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I thought Isaiah Washington was outstanding. Anyway, mm-hmm. you can find it on a, a lot of places, looks like. Hulu with a premium subscription. Uh, Showtime is where I saw it. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime with a premium subscription. It's mm-hmm. on Roku. And uh, yeah, 2013, Blue Caprice. Uh, maybe triggers for some of you. Heavy topic. Uh, but I thought it was a really well-crafted film. Uh, from a guy who, looking at his resume, has mostly just done music videos. Hmm. So, All right. So there you go. All right. Now, it's time to dive into the big recommend. Yes. The big recommend. All right. So uh, let's. Uh, it's time to talk about HelloFresh. Hello uh, fresh man. I tell you what, um, when I, they sent us some, some food, uh, a while back that was just amazing. It was, yeah. it's one of those, it's one of those, I don't know how to cook at all. Okay. So, so believe me when I tell you, Hey, they give you all these ingredients and it's like, I don't have to look for the ingredients. They're all in the measured proportions that they need to be. And it's like, it's like, here, here's all the ingredients. Here's how to cook the stuff. Now cook it. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. And then at the end of it, it's a delicious meal. Mm-hmm. It's almost always, actually, let's not say almost always. It is always a delicious meal. It is. And I credit HelloFresh with kickstarting my uh, recent cooking obsession over the last few years. Uh, I was just telling my wife the other day when we were first married, whenever we would cook at home, it was basically chicken on the george foreman grill Mm -hmm. we're lucky if we marinated it and Mm -hmm. some kind of frozen microwaved vegetable which Mm -hmm. certainly a healthy meal uh but not a lot of flavor not a lot of variety that was cooking for us right now today i'm throwing aromatics in the skillet before i get (laughs) anywhere close to my meat i'm making roux and sauces when i'm done uh hello fresh kicked all that off for me because it exposed me to techniques, exposed me to ingredients uh, that I had never used before, exposed me to uh, gadgets in my kitchen that I had never used before. Um, And what's great about it is it does all this while actually reducing your stress and your time because everything comes pre-packaged, everything comes pre-measured. So you get to explore all these incredible foods and they even have seven vegan recipes every week if you are not a meat eater. Mm-hmm. And right now, mm-hmm. I just want to tell you, right now, this week's, as we record, this week's recipes, one pan black bean and poblano quesadillas. That sounds amazing. Well, goji chicken, Yucatan citrus chicken bowls, uh, creamy lemon spinach ricotta ravioli. Oh, my God. Tuscan spiced meatballs. This is not the kind of stuff that you typically make at home. These are restaurant-quality, chef-created meals uh, for $7.99 and up uh, per meal. And if you go to HelloFresh.com slash Recotopia16, the number mm-hmm. 16, one mm-hmm. six, mm-hmm. Uh, and then use that uh, entry code, you can get up to 16 meals for free. The discount code is Recotopia. The URL is Recotopia16. Uh, 16 free meals? That's yeah. Kind of a lot, I think. Yeah, that, is, it's a, that, is, that is an amazing amount uh, of, of amazing amount of great dishes there, for sure. Um, so, yeah. Uh, can't recommend it enough. Yep. It's going to save you 72% than a restaurant meal of the same quality. And over time, you're going to see that money. It's going to mm-hmm. inspire you to cook 
It's going to teach you to cook. Uh, go to uh, HelloFresh.com slash Recotopia16 today and enter Recotopia as a discount code and get up to 16 meals free. All right, everybody. It's time to talk about BetterHelp. BetterHelp. BetterHelp is life-changing for a lot of people, especially in the last couple of years where it's been harder and harder uh, for various reasons for people to get out a lot or spend a lot of time indoors with other people. Um, it's not just the pandemic. It, you know, it's the stress that comes with the pandemic. And BetterHelp, long before the pandemic, was offering you um, telehealth, basically, for therapy. Um, you can do therapy on video. You can do it on text chat. You can do it over email. You can do it over a phone call. Uh, you don't have to leave your house. Uh, and you can contact your therapist directly. The, the story I want to tell you this week is about how it actually saved me a little bit. We adopted a dog um, with the absolute best of intentions, and it is, has not worked out. Uh, the cats that we have are rebelling, and uh, it's just it's not the fit we hoped it would be. Uh, but there were several days there where it was just extremely stressful and exhausting, like to the point of anxiety attacks. And I messaged my therapist on BetterHelp and said, I'm melting down over this dog. Um, when are you free? Uh, and she said, hey, I actually just had somebody cancel. I'm free in 30 minutes. And I was able to have a session that helped me <laughs> tremendously in my time of need. Um, I can't get that with an old school brick and mortar therapist. Um, you know, you can't, you can't get that. You don't get that access. You don't have that flexibility. Uh, and BetterHelp has helped me personally, and I believe it can help you as well. And, uh, you can actually get 10% off your first month. If you go to betterhelp.com slash Recotopia and enter the discount code Recotopia. And I, I, I can't stress enough that therapy is helpful. Uh, therapy can make a difference in your life and can help you manage the stress, the depression, the anxiety, uh, the PTSD, uh, whatever it is in your life that's keeping you from being your best you. Go to betterhelp.com slash Recotopia and enter the code Recotopia today and get 10% off your first month. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm fine, I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. <laughs> uh, and this week is Coda. Mm -hmm. Coda, uh, as Chris mentioned, was just nominated for Best Picture. Best Picture? Best Adapted Screenplay. 
Um, and best East, supporting actor. I think it's best supporting actor. Yeah. Um, uh, and I I forgot that guy's name, but um, he's really good. Um, it's Troy he Kotzer. Is. Yes. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, Coda. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about it. What's what what's on your mind? What's on your mind? We are prepared. Uh, Coda is a film about a child of deaf adults. That's what the Coda stands for. Mm-hmm. Um, and her both of her parents and her sibling are deaf, and she they live in a small fishing town. And because she's the only hearing person in her family, uh, it's very clear that. Uh, the burden of helping her family communicate through their entire lives with everybody else in town has weighed on her shoulders for her entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, And she wants to sing. She's a good singer, uh, but she's grappling mostly with, can I leave this town and leave my family to go pursue this dream of mine? Uh, One of the things I like most about this movie is that it doesn't fall into too many uh, teen coming of age traps mm-hmm. right like she gets made fun of at school twice i think might be a third time there's one girl in particular who makes fun of the fact that she smells like fish because she's working on a fishing boat uh and she's been made fun of her whole life it's implied uh because she talked funny when she came to school as a child of deaf adults she had to learn uh to speak the way non-deaf people speak mm-hmm. and so she was bullied for that uh, and God, I love this movie. This is my third time through, um, general thoughts. It's an A plus for me. If it somehow wins any of the awards it's up for, I, I think they're all deserved. I know you've seen it at least twice now. What's seen your it overall twice. feeling? Seen it twice. Uh, uh, both times, uh, choked up both times, uh, during this, uh, thing. It's, uh, it's, it's so well done. Um, uh, Amelia Jones, uh, who should have gotten nominated, by the way, for an I Oscar. Um, I haven't seen all of the nominees, but I looked at some of them. And I'm like, this is this seems like the typical fair that you always give nominations for, and this is a this was a chance to do something different, and you decided. And look, I love Jessica Chastain uh, more than anybody on this earth, probably, except maybe her husband. And <laughs> and uh, but I, and I haven't seen the eyes of Tammy Faye. For all I know, it's the most dynamic performance ever. But uh, it feels like that was a token nomination, almost. Like mm-hmm. Jessica Chastain's almost becoming Meryl Streep-like, where it's like yes. anything she does, we're just going to go ahead and nominate it because she's so awesome. And I I sort of agree with that, but I. Uh, Amelia Jones, think about the things that she had to do for this. First off, she's British, so she has to pull off an American accent, which I had no idea she wasn't American. Like mm, you, I you knew. Brits, you Brits have have the vocal coaches, the the dialogue coaches that Americans don't have when it comes to other <laughs> accents. Yes, um, and uh, uh, she had to do that. She had to she had to do that. She had to learn how to sing. She learned how to sing. She learned how to work on a fishing trawler. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. she also had to learn ASL. Yep. Um, so uh, a number of things here uh, that she had to do. And she's so dynamic. She is arresting in this film. Um, and uh, and I, I, you just root for her the whole way. Um uh yeah it is it is different i i I agree it's different from any other 
uh, teen movie. You're right. There's some bullying that goes on. And by the way, I don't know if it was because I was one of the lucky kids in, in high school, but I'm, I, I experienced, you know, some form of bullying, but not the ones they portray mm. in, in movies. It's like people like actually going up to your face just for the purpose of saying something to you that day. I've I never experienced that. For all I know, now watch if I actually could able were able to rewind back to the '90s, I would be either the brunt of it or I was actually the person doing that shit. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I was the one being the bully. But um, she's so dynamic. But think about this too: Marley Matlin was uh, cast first, I believe, in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the producers or the people who were backing the film did not want to put deaf people in the other roles. And Marley Matlin said, well, I'm not going to be part of your movie unless you make an effort. Yep. So they got Troy Kotzer. They, uh, they auditioned and got Daniel Durant. Um, and they, they they are all deaf people in this family uh and uh and so that was a big win for this movie um this is also a remake of a movie uh that uh that came out la La famille bellier which i was trying to find and you can't find it anywhere like one of the uh one of the uh apps that uh tells you where everything streams said it was on youtube for rent but i youtube was like what you don't what the (laughs) fuck is this this is some bullshit um and um so um anyway i tried to watch that too but uh yeah this is one of those and also here's another thing her best friend falls in love with her brother yeah and this could have been like an edge of 17 type of thing where they fall out of faith and like they don't they start hating each other because she told him not told her not to date uh date him which is exactly what happens i mean this is it could have gone on edge of 17 and i don't love edge of 17 but i'm glad it didn't emulate edge of 17 right um right. so um so it, there's stuff like that and just all the different problems like think about all the problems that are presented in this movie like how do you deal with this um the she is uh she she wants to sing but she really wants to help her family out. She thinks she is needed. And this is why the brother's so awesome in this movie yep. is that the brother's like, we were doing fine before you came <laughs> along. It was just yep. now we've sort of kind of kept you as a crutch because you, you know, you, you helped us out with some things like I can do this. Don't worry yep. about us. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. God, I love he literally that. says there on the beach. I can, I got this go mm-hmm. like, uh, and not to interrupt you, but that's one of my favorite things about this movie is the whole family are flushed out characters with their mm-hmm. own issues, their own hurdles, and it all meshes together really well. Sorry, carry on. No, no, that's fine. Um, uh, the other thing about the making of this, I, I watched a video or two on this too, but uh, Troy Kotzer said, he's like, uh, it, it was great that you know there were these characters in the movie, but it's also you get to speak dirty for once. You got to talk dirty. <laughs> yeah, he's did. like, and uh and and apparently marley matlin has a dirty sense of humor as well and she was so glad to be able to to do something like because it's it's common to to put someone with a disability of some sort in a movie and then make them angelic of some in some way like they have no character flaws whatsoever and uh and uh i think that's boring obviously so 
uh it was it was good to see that there is like i feel like this movie may have flirted with an r rating a little bit with the stuff that's mm-hmm. portrayed in here it's a pg-13 mm-hmm. but um but uh you know but it, it, it gets it gets pretty close it gets kind of raunchy in a couple spots it sure does yeah and maybe this the asl is like i wouldn't be surprised if the stodgy you know mpaa was like well that's not actually saying it so it's fine um, yeah what i love is the use of sound particularly the absence of sound and mm-hmm. it's fitting given the topic of the film but but this is where this is where the tears flow for me there are three distinct moments um i'll get to those in a second but i wanted to talk about two scenes back to back with almost no um uh, score and certainly no dialogue that is audible and that's when marley matlin comes to the girl's room to sit on her bed and basically tries to make amends and say you know i love you i'm doing the best i can um and then it cuts from that to the scene where she goes to the beach where her brother is and they have an entire conversation in sign language Mm -hmm. i think she speaks a couple of her lines um I, i love that the film was not afraid to do that was not afraid to let deaf people speak sign language for entire conversations uh and that happens throughout the film but when they go to the recital and they sit down and their daughter comes out to start singing we've heard this song three or four times in the movie by now mm-hmm. this, this is an expert expert choice by the director yeah we know this song we've heard it rehearsed we've heard them practicing it and instead of hearing the live performance it cuts to dead silence mm-hmm. so that we are now experiencing what her family is experiencing and it's okay. My perspective is a little unique as I have been losing my hearing for years and it's about half gone. So mm-hmm. I, I put myself in some of these situations, but I feel, I feel for them because they clearly, they want to support the way they're trying to clap, but they don't, they only know to clap when the people around them are clapping because they don't know what's, what's, what's being heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's, it's uncomfortable and it's supposed to be uh, because Hey, growing up sucks, mm-hmm. but this family that has it twice as hard as any other family because of these disabilities that they have to work together to overcome. And that moment gets me. And then they go back home and dad is sitting on the truck and the girl comes out. And oh he asks yeah, this, her, this part. Yeah. Well, what were you singing about? And she explains to him what the song was about. Mm-hmm. And then he says, sing it again. And puts his hand on her chest so that he can feel the vibrations mm-hmm. now that he knows the words of what she's singing mm-hmm. oh, yeah i wept oh, that yeah. is the biggest I, i'm not ashamed to say i wept like a baby yeah <clears throat> that's and a... then when no go go ahead. Ahead. when they get to the final audition uh and again the movie mm. has has played me all <laughs> way through and now i'm expecting a silent cutout again and instead she starts sign language mm. doing the lyrics mm-hmm. so her parents can understand what she's singing goosebumps and tears yeah they're not supposed time. to be there uh they're not yeah. allowed uh but they sneak in through that uh that uh whatever the what do you call it the, the balcony, the balcony section and um and uh the people doing the audition turn around and see them there but they're just like yeah you know this is a moment we're gonna we're gonna allow this but 
the interesting too, uh, Amelia Jones said that that's one of the hardest scenes to do because you get basically seven shots of coverage for that uh, scene. And to sign while singing, it means that you have to sign and sing correctly. So if you're, if you mess up the signing, then the singing, you know, they have to do something with the singing. And if you mess up the singing, they're going to have to cut to some other angle for the signing. So, yep. uh, so that was, uh, that was an interesting dynamic there too. Uh, what, so this is one of those movies where, you know, uh, a, 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 an adult figure comes in to someone's lives and, and says, I see something in you, uh, you know, let's, uh, uh, let's try to you know cultivate it and everything eugenio derbez plays uh the teacher in this uh that guy has been everywhere by the way ever since uh yeah. the how to how uh was it how to is the latin lover movie <laughs> how to be a latin lover um, uh, i think so how to be a latin lover uh he's been everywhere but he was he's in this and i i really enjoyed how his his teaching process although also i don't know i th there seems to be in these movies it's a it's a black and white sort of situation where it's like you're either this or you're that and you have to make a choice and and uh and and i i know that he's trying to get her to just make a choice between really learning how to sing and 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 helping her family but it, but there's no there's no discussion beforehand. You need to you need to figure this out with your family first before I'm going to continue. There's no it's it's all or nothing. It's like I don't care what the reason is. Uh, you better be here when I'm doing lessons, or else uh, I'm not going to be here for you. But there's not any real meaningful discussion about what it means to be her and her family. I mean, eventually he kind of does. That she kind of lets that she finally says something towards the end after he's um after he's uh not there for her when she comes to the door she finally yeah. says something but i was kept hoping for a scene like that where she would tell him this is what i have to do this is what i'm having to go through i can't be here on time tell me what i need to do yeah you know that type of thing and yeah. i mean to his credit he does make her figure it out on her own but there doesn't seem to be a a, a meaty discussion about that going into yeah. that so well and i think you know he's in his mind i don't know i i, I love that character so much but i do feel like may, maybe something got cut mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah i do feel like he could have more compassion for her situation or she should just tell him much sooner um and uh it's weird to me that he's shows up to accompany her at the end because mm -hmm. i thought for sure her would-be boyfriend was gonna accompany her uh if i were making the movie that's probably what i would have done i do feel bad for that kid because the whole the whole movie they're both gonna audition for this place and she's like yeah. how'd it go he's like i tanked it yeah then, yeah yeah <laughs> and then he's gone um but uh but yeah i love that teacher character uh i love uh the fishing storyline uh, mm -hmm. i I've never been a fisherman, but uh, I found it very relatable that, you know, these fishermen are out there busting their ass and they're getting screwed mm -hmm. by the wholesale company that buys their fish and then turns around and sells it for more profit. And the deaf family gets even more screwed because, you know, they take advantage of their disability. So they decide they want to start a co-op where they're going to work with other fishermen and sell their own damn fish. Mm -hmm. uh, and they do it. Uh, and there's actually a plot thing that I don't, 
care much about where they were going to do a TV interview. Yeah. To, to do the interview to anyway, not my favorite scene, but I, but I liked that, you know, the dad had something he really cared about that you could root for him on. That wasn't just, you know, everybody wasn't just focused on the daughter's story and the daughter's problems. Everybody mm -hmm. has their own full arc. I think in this movie, her interpretation uh, scenes are, are all great too. the, uh, uh, when she has to go to the doctor and and the and the doctor is telling them that they have jock itch basically and they can't have sex and she's like basically like you can't have sex ever <laughs> and, and, and they're like what and she's like okay you can't have sex for two weeks but then he, they, even that is impossible he's like do you see marley matlin she's too hot to not have sex with i don't care if i have jock itch or not and um <laughs> And uh, the the scene too, where they're all in that meeting, where you know the, they're they're being told they've been told that they need a monitor on their boat. They all yeah. you know, eight hundred dollars a day is insane. Uh, they you know when he finally you know the he, the father gets up and he's like he basically says suck my dick in sign language and has her translate it. There there's it's a great scene because I think in a lot of movies where the child has to swear or something like that, there's a there's a there's a pulling of punches of some sort so that everybody realizes, yeah, we know this isn't normal. She he does it and she hesitates a little bit and then she's like, Suck my dick and <laughs> doesn't pull back at all and then and then uh it, there's just something great about that um uh you know that i think other movies would have un uh, you know would have tried to pull the punch a little bit and said boy this is funny look he, she says suck my dick and then you know she does have that like well that's from him not from me and yeah. um and uh and and so and then of course the uh the their actual uh after they get the fine and they're they're uh, they're told they can't they can't fish until they pay off the fine. She has to tell them all that too. That's a, a that's a heartbreaking scene. But um, but uh, yeah, uh, I don't yeah. Other than a couple of things that we touched, a couple of scenes we touched on in here, this movie's almost perfect and is going to give you all the feels, as the kids used to say. They used to because that's, right. that's already out of style. That They're is out of style, but now. I just wanted to bring that bring it back for this one episode. Um, but uh, it is one of those type of movies. Um, uh, it uh, both times I've seen it, uh, just excellent experiences. So, so your recommend for this week was Coda, mm. and uh, I have a double feature that I want to uh, pair with nice. this movie. Nice. Um, it's not what you think. Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? A dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. So it, very, you know, the first, I, the first thing that popped in my head. This is not my answer. It's an easy one, right? The Sound of Metal was the first mm -hmm. thing that popped into my head because mm -hmm. they both have come out in the past couple of years. Uh, but the Sound of Metal is not like this movie. It's, mm -hmm. it's not really, it would, it would be a perfectly fine double feature in my mind. I don't know how you would grade a double feature for me. It's, it's certain themes, certain, uh, certain mood, certain, uh, you know, it not necessarily just because there are deaf characters in this sound of metals feels like a completely different movie to me than Coda. Right. right. Um, there, the Marley Matlin's first ever movie, the children of a lesser God, 
mm. is another is, is not going to be my double feature but mm. perfectly good perfectly good double feature that movie's more of a romance uh uh she and william hurt uh through it and and the challenges he he has where he wants her to speak that's the thing that he's i want you to speak and i've been able to get people to speak and she doesn't like that she doesn't want to be someone who speaks and and uh, she wants to be her own person and that's one of the things he's having to learn throughout all this but i didn't think that was that i don't think that was my double feature my my double feature movie is mr holland's opus oh ooh, um good call the music angle first off that's that's a good thing then uh richard dreyfus's son is deaf in this uh in this movie and he is having a hard time uh relating to him and this is something that i i've seen uh the the that theme of and i I would believe that i've seen i saw it in the children of a lesser god and i saw it in this and there was another movie that Marley Matlin was in earlier this year or early or late last year called multiverse. We did an interview with the director hmm. um, where either if you are a deaf parent trying to relate to someone who can, who can hear, or you are a, a parent who can hear, who has a deaf child, they have a hard time relating to that person. And there's a great scene in this movie discussing in Coda discussing uh this but there's also a great scene in mr holland's opus about this because this whole time he's guys i'm a music teacher and he can't he can't experience the music like i like i would like my son to uh and and he lets glenn glenna headley his wife like basically do the parenting there and he's kind of away from his son throughout the whole thing and then when the beatles break up in mr holland's opus uh he says something to the effect like how could you possibly know what this means uh for music and everything you can't even haven't even heard a note of the beatles and everything and and his son tells him like fuck you i know what how, how much this means and everything and by the end of it of course his uh you know the mr holland's opus the song that's at the very end of this which is that will give you all the feels in the world because it's mm-hmm. one of the it's a great piece of music at the end of this movie um and he's finally he's finally this is this movie takes place over decades you're talking about from like the 60s to the 90s i believe is Mm -hmm. how long this is he he has to he has to fight the school cutting music programs and all this other stuff going all the way through it and then finally finally at the end the the piece of music he's been writing gets played by all of his former students (laughs) like from all eras it's a fucking fantastic ending to that movie yeah, it is. Uh, and I think works pretty well with Coda. So uh, Yeah, that's an awesome... I can already tell you the surprise double feature is going to be my favorite part of this show mm-hmm. because w- I don't think either of us is ever going to take the obvious pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I even had a conversation with somebody who's in the chat a couple of days ago mm-hmm. who wondered if you were going to pick um, Sound of uh, Metal and I said, if I, if I know Chris, he will pick something not the sound of metal. Uh, <laughs> and you did. Uh, and uh, I like, somebody in the comments said, I like hearing the thoughts behind the double feature pick. Uh, I do too. That's why I love this segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess even before we go into the questions, we should tell everybody what next week's movie is going mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. So uh, this is a movie that I saw many, many years ago. And... I didn't know what to think of it uh, at all. 
I recently saw it again about a month or so, I guess. And now I, I don't have the same loss of hearing as you do, Jeremy, but I certainly have over because I'm older now, it's, Mm -hmm. it's really hard for me to hear certain things. And I, I watch everything with subtitles. I watch everything with subtitles. And I think even back in the 90s, I wasn't catching certain things that people were saying in movies. Like when I was young, I wasn't catching. I even watch a movie from the 90s now with subtitles. I was like, oh, is that what they were saying? <laughs> yeah, I've had that happen. So um, so I watched this movie with subtitles. And oh, my God, I realized why I didn't get this movie the first time. Because I wasn't understanding a word they were saying at all. Mm. The movie is Brick. Ryan Johnson's Brick that came out, I believe, in 2007. Uh, I, uh, I I am eager to talk about this movie because, uh, especially since Ryan Johnson's profile has become so big over the past uh, 10 years or so, uh, Knives Out was, uh, I think Last Jedi was certainly a, a movie that, that brought him to audiences that didn't know him before. Knives Out certainly is the movie that got him to that point. Now I think a lot of people are super excited about this Knives Out 2 that's supposed to come out uh, later in the year. I am. I know I am. I um, am, except for the title. But yes, I, everything else about it, I'm giddy. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm, uh, even though I have seen Brick in the last month and a half or so, I'm going to be watching it again for this for this podcast uh, because there's a, there's something about Brick it's the language that's being used in this movie is completely different. It's, it's kids, but they're acting like adults and Mm -hmm. they, and there's a lot of slang in it, um, uh, that you have to kind of like pick up on, like, what are they talking about? Who, when they say this word, what do they mean? It's kind of clockwork orangey in a way. Uh, but it's but it's high school kids p- acting like adults all the way through it, and there's some very tongue in cheek, very dark, very uh, dry humor in it. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that's going to be the one that we do next week. Excellent. I'm looking forward to discussing that. I'm looking forward to surprise double featuring that. Mm-hmm. We've got time for some questions. All right. Question. Question. I got something to say. I'm listening. Let's get it. Let's get into it. All right. Uh, the first question is, what do you think is the most, I'm looking forward to the chat guys weighing in here. What do you think is the most parodied movie moment? Uh, mm. The question asker's example would be Trinity's double kick in the matrix, which well, of course was in Shrek. Yeah, it was well in Shrek. It was in scary movie. It was in a lot of different, uh, different things. That's probably, I would say probably the most parodied moment because the matrix came out right at a time when all those movie movies were coming out, like date movie and scary movie and all that, all that came out. There was a deluge of that. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and so there were a lot of, uh, movies, uh, making fun of that. But, um, uh, I think the ending of Casablanca has been done uh, parodied uh, a lot. Mm. Um, uh, the Naked Gun did it. Uh, there's a movie called The Cheap Detective that has Peter Falk in it. Um, uh, it has been done a lot. Uh, and we we have a, a you know Darth Vader uh, No I Am Your Father from Tom in the chat. Uh, yeah, certainly that I Am Your Father has been done a billion million times. 
you know, and then a lot of, there's a lot of Spielberg too that is on my list. Like Jaws, just the the theme music to Jaws. Anytime there's any kind of uh, like someone stalking someone, the the yeah. theme music to Jaws. Even uh, I believe Airplane or Airplane Two, uh, both had Jaws uh, uh, in it. Um, uh, the E.T. bike moon silhouette thing has been done oh. a million times. Oh. Um, and, uh, and, uh, Jurassic Park's water ripples have been done a million times. So I had a lot of Spielberg in my answer. Yeah, but that's, that's all good stuff. But you also just made me think of Psycho. The Psycho yep. theme mm-hmm. has been done a million times. Music cues would be a good way to attack this question, which is not what I did. Um, so my first thought when I read this question was, you can't handle the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because I believe I've seen that 30 bazillion times. And everything from The Simpsons yeah. to bad sitcoms to comedies. <laughs> uh, that one's been everywhere. Yeah. And then the other one I wrote down was, oh, I'm looking at the wrong thing. I am prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the Karate Kid Swan Kick, Oh, maybe? yeah, yeah. I feel like I've seen that parodied in a bunch of stuff. It definitely has been. Uh, I believe The Lion King did it. Uh, I believe, um, uh, what was it? Uh, of course, um what's it uh hot rod did it uh well yeah i think hot rod maybe i don't know hot rod definitely did something on the training montage i don't know if they did that the the whole the kick the 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 whole kick and everything the simpsons definitely did a karate kid uh thing when um uh back in the the simpsons have done everything yes they have uh let's move on to another question Mm -hmm. from fans uh, these are collected, by the way, from a host of sources. Uh, we get some in email, recotopia at cinemasins.com. We get some from the subreddit. Uh, we get some from Twitter. Uh, and we get some from Discord. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is, what film changed genres on you the most? And I think this can be interpreted two ways. Either the most severe genre switch mm-hmm. or the sheer number of genre switches yeah uh yeah i was having a i was having a little bit of a hard time figuring out what the exact nature of this question was but i just decided that i would go with a movie that changes genres throughout uh its presentation and that's hot fuzz which um Damn, is is a is a comedy uh it's a it's also a cop film and it's a horror film that's uh uh sort of in the in the vein the same vein as the wicker man so mm-hmm. it, all of those elements are are sort of like co-mingling uh throughout this whole this whole thing it's kind of an, an interesting magic trick how he does that edgar wright uh because it starts off you think it's just going to be a, a cop comedy basically mm-hmm. but uh but then like because the trailer itself was all about you know have you ever shot your gun in the air and said ah and you know and he's like no <laughs> yeah. i've never shot my gun in the air and said ah and uh and 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 it, you know it's basically saying we've seen every cop movie and known to existence so it's going to be like this cop parody but yeah it's got wicker man in it too <laughs> surprise wicker man <laughs> so surprise yeah oh sudden west bentley sudden wicker man mm-hmm. <clears throat> um I wrote down a few. Uh, my answers are mostly well. The first one is Pineapple Express, mm-hmm. um, which starts regular stoner comedy, but does kind of go full action at least by the very final scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the middle, it kind of begins to blend the two, and I will never not laugh when James Franco tries to kick out that window. No, oh, I know stuck in it. No, oh, yeah. Um, even though he's a complicated guy right now to try discussing um and then two that i thought were a blend of 
three or more genres. Uh, I wrote Spontaneous, mm. uh, which is Catherine Langford, yeah. which is both coming of age, but it's a high school comedy, but it's also kind of a horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little sci-fi at times, but it's also a romance. Uh, and that, you talk about a juggling act. I don't know how you even come up with trying to juggle those all at the same time. Uh, uh, and then blind spotting. <clears throat> yeah, blind spotting um, for sure. I feel like blind spotting has some drama. It has some comedy. It's got some unique musical aspects. Um, and at times it feels more about San Francisco than any of the people. And then at the end, it just gets full on, you know, grab the arms of your chair as tight as you can. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. That scene oh, at the end is just, it really is. It, it really physically does something to you while you're watching it. Like it's, it, it's, there's some gravity that, that happens when that, that ending rap scene happens. It's unreal. It really is. I don't know how, I don't know what the recipe was, but if you would told me at the start of the movie, the, the, the climax is going to be a rap, but it's happening in the real world. And it's going to be one of the tensest things you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I would not have believed you, but the movie earns that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, a credible movie. All right. Let, I think uh, we have time for, but before we go to that last question, I just wanted to uh, mention in the previous question about the, the parodied scenes, you're going to need a bigger boat has been, uh, heavily parodied, uh, before that was, uh, uh, that's by the way, Chris Batkinson, who is, uh, who is, uh, <laughs> on Patreon, there. uh, <laughs> someone who is, who's uh emulating um all my style and all my moves and just puts a b at the end of my name um <laughs> the uh the home alone scream is yes of course has been done many many times here's Good johnny one. from the shining uh laura coming in with that one yeah. uh and then as far as the genres patrick coming in with from dust till dawn which i yes definitely multiple genres being that's a heist movie a kidnapping movie and then suddenly uh vampires yep Sudden yeah. vampires. Yeah. Uh the Frighteners. Uh, uh Josh oh, brought that one up. Uh screwball comedy, straight up horror film. Yep, yep. Um and uh yeah. So uh on to the next question. Good stuff, good stuff. All right, the last question for today. What movie has made you pause and look shit up on Google? <laughs> I think Inception made me do this more than any anything. Ah. Uh and and it's possible I mean it, it's possible that I've done it. I've done Google on like something that's completely random. You would never think that I've done would have to do a bunch of Googling on a lot of times, uh, people say, you know, you know, the Brooklyn bridge is right over the, right over here. And you know, you're like, well, you're in Harlem. So the Brooklyn bridge shouldn't be like right where you are or whatever. But, um, but inception made me do that because there's so many different things that Nolan puts in that movie that, you know sort of covers his ass as far as like well if anybody has any questions about how this works well let's talk about the inner ear shall we and we all you know we'll talk about what the inner ear means to people waking up and all that so like every time like especially when we were you know doing the sins on that movie and everything i was like having to look up stuff like what does this do what is what is he what are they talking about so yeah i looked up a lot of stuff on inception i uh i'm gonna i'm gonna make a confession i do this almost every movie i watch Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. because it's confusing me but because i will always think of something i want to know like what else is this director um done like i see somebody agrees with me Mm everything makes me get on imdb yeah where do i recognize this actress from this dialogue is snappy who wrote this um 
but my most recent example is uh, a film I, I believe Aaron Dicer enjoyed a great deal called The Mauritanian. Um, <clears throat> that's a joke. I'm not sure he liked that movie very much. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie came out in 2021, which is somehow not this year even though it feels like it is. And it's got Benedict Cumberbatch and Shailene Woodley and Zachary Levi and Jodie Foster. Um, and I start watching this movie without knowing anything about it. And pretty quickly, I paused and went to Google and typed in the name and said, is this a true story? Because mm-hmm. uh, it is. Uh, and it's about uh, somebody who was held in Guantanamo Bay for 16 years mm. without ever being charged because he was originally suspected of being part of the 9-11 attacks, mm-hmm. but he was not. Um, and it's about the lawyers trying to free him and imprison him and how they both go about discovering the truth. Uh, but uh, four or five times throughout the movie, I went back and just control shift T <laughs> to open the thing back up and read more about, did this part really happen? <laughs> um, so that's the most recent example of that for me. And um, let's see, anybody else got anything for us over here in the questions before we wrap up? In chat, I mean. I don't think JFK. so. JFK. 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 Well, yeah, for sure. And <laughs> JFK, talk about a movie that's... Now, I watched... When I was into JFK and when I believed everything that was in that movie, JFK, mm. um, I didn't have Google. I didn't have anything to uh, to really look up things and, and whatever. Um uh, but man, if you do, if you ever want to Google JFK, you're going to be going down the, the rabbit hole <laughs> of all rabbit holes. There's no doubt yeah, about are. that because you're going to get, you're going to get sites who are like, of course, Lee Harvey Oswald did it, you know? And then there's going to be others that are like, well, Lee Harvey Oswald didn't do it. And let me tell you why. So, uh, you're going to go, you're not going to know what to follow on that. Nine eleven's the same way, by the way, if you ever want to look at, if you ever want to Google anything about nine 11, it's going to be what, that same type of thing. It's so annoying. Yes. Um, um, all right. Well, that's, that was a, that was a show. I liked, I I think we did a good job on that show and thank you for the live chat. Yes. Thank you for taking time out of your, your day, which apparently many of you said you weren't doing anything anyway. So it makes me feel awesome. Um, but, uh, no, seriously, thank you for chatting and joining live. And those of you listening, um, on a delay, well, you just have to show up next week for the live mm-hmm, version because mm-hmm. you missed out on all this fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, and someone's asking if we're going to have a kitty cam. Not in not in this room. You're not going to have no. a kitty cam in this room. Not at all. This is a no cat zone. Uh, but <laughs> um, but Jeremy may have a, have a cat visitor every once in a while because yep. where he is isn't nearly as doesn't have nearly the stuff the destructive. Uh, uh force I mean, there's like so much stuff they could destroy in here that it would just ruin this room so there's no way <laughs> no way um but uh anyway yeah yeah guys uh that was Recotopia episode two next week's brick and uh yeah can't wait to talk about that uh if you want to talk about this episode uh go to uh discord we're at uh discord the cinema sense discord we actually got an, an actual address to say i think it's discord.gg slash cinema i think that's how that goes um uh, uh so go to that uh if you want to uh, if you want to talk about this episode we also are on cinema twitter and i will i will restate again uh this would be the last time i'll talk about this probably will not be doing facebook on this uh, podcast so um sorry for a lot of you facebook uh people if you're just fa- just uh, if you only use facebook for your for your commenting and everything sorry about that but I, the, the line must be drawn here um this far yeah exactly and no further uh no anyway further. anyway yeah uh that's gonna do it thanks guys bye
Hope you find your dad. <laughs> Hope you find your dad. I saw that. <laughs>